Well, today you were given the opportunity to affirm that the oversight of Chatham Christian Church is once again being entrusted to biblically qualified elders, and that meeting the financial projection will enable us to fulfill the ministry that God has set before us. A ministry that has not changed in objective since we were established as a church 46 years ago, or since Christ commissioned the church nearly 2,000 years ago. A ministry that the Apostle Paul summed up when he told the Colossians that it was his goal to present every man complete in Christ. To accomplish that goal, he encouraged the Colossians to become the loving body God intended for them to be, and he labored to bring them to full understanding of the mercy of God's presence, or the mystery of God's presence in the world and in their lives, so that they could stand firm in the faith. He did not, however, want them to get the idea that all they had to do would stand still in the faith. So he went on to say, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know, this is the only place Paul uses the full title, Christ Jesus the Lord. He is making a statement. As we've already noted, heresy had slipped into the church in Colossae, and some were beginning to question the sufficiency of Christ, his role in the life of believers. And so Paul intentionally referred to him as Christ Jesus the Lord. Jesus, the man who was born to be Savior and named Jesus because it means God is salvation, is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah of promise. He is our Lord. And if we have received Him as the Lord of our life, we must walk in Him. Now, some translate the word used here as live. So, live in Him. But the word actually means walk. And that emphasizes the fact that the Christian life has movement. It has direction. It has purpose. It's a walk. It's going somewhere. It's not just an existence. You know, something can be alive and stay put. But Paul tells us to keep moving. To walk in Christ. And as he's already told us, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. But in order to walk in Christ, we must first be confident of the fact that we are indeed in Christ. So how do we know whether or not that is the case? Well, I think Paul gives us a pretty good idea in verse 7. We know we are in Christ 
if we have been firmly rooted in Him, if we are being built up in Him, if our faith is constantly being established, and if our life is overflowing with gratitude. Let's look at these one at a time and make sure that we are indeed in Christ so we can actually walk in Christ. He begins by saying, having been firmly rooted. Apparently, we can't walk in Christ unless we have been firmly rooted in Him. Now, I have to admit that does seem a bit strange. How can something be firmly rooted and walk? If something's rooted, it's planted in the ground and plants don't walk. But as is obvious in these verses, Paul is not above changing metaphors in the middle of a sentence. And he easily moves from a picture of something walking to something that has been planted. If we are going to walk in Christ, we're going to have to be planted in Him. If we are going to grow into what He wants us to become, we're going to have to be like a plant that is well-rooted in good soil. And like a plant that draws nourishment from the soil in which it is planted, we're going to have to draw our nourishment from Christ. Our roots must go deep into Christ. And He must be the one from whom we draw what we need to become what He intends us to be. If we are rooted in anything less than Christ, chances of our spiritual survival are slim indeed. If our spiritual life is dependent on anyone other than Christ, the source of our nourishment may dry up overnight. That is the danger in becoming too dependent on a particular preacher or teacher or even someone we view as a Christian role model. We've got to go deeper than that. Now, it is possible to become rooted to Christ through another person, and in fact, that generally is the way it happens. Generally, a man or a woman will plant the seed of faith in our heart, but our roots must go through the one who introduces us to Christ into the actual source of spiritual life and strength into Christ himself. Again, that is the danger of being too wrapped up in one individual. Or expecting that individual to give you all that you need to grow in Christ. You've got to go through the one who presents you to Christ into Christ himself. Our roots must go deeper than any one person or even a church. You know, the church should supply us with food and nourishment that causes growth. But the church is a pot of mixed soil. Even a good church contains both good and bad soil, and every church has a few rocks and weeds in it. So if we're expecting a church to fully supply everything we need to grow spiritually, and nothing that might hinder our growth, we're probably going to be disappointed. We must send our roots into the very person of Christ. 
We enter into a relationship with Him. We give ourselves to Him. We so entwine our life in His that we become indistinguishable one from the other. And then we constantly draw upon our foundational relationship with Christ in order to grow. That's what it means to be rooted in Him. And that is where we start if we are to walk with Him. But that's not the end of it. Paul next says, we must be built up in Him. The image now changes from a plant to a building set on a solid foundation. And once the foundation is set, we begin building stone by stone, brick by brick, into what God intends for us to become, into a building, actually, a holy temple in which He lives and moves. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul makes it clear that we as the church, as a whole, are collectively a temple of God. But he also makes it clear that individually, our physical bodies in which the Spirit lives and dwells becomes a temple of God. You are a temple of God. If Christ lives in your body, your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. You are now a temple of God. That is such an important teaching. And here in Colossians, I think Paul is focusing on that individual aspect that we personally are being built up in Christ. That we are being made into what He wants us to be. And I think the picture of us being built into a temple is what he had in mind. I think he is saying we are temples of God, albeit temples under construction. We're not finished yet. But fortunately, he moves in long before we're finished. In fact, we will not be finished until he completes us in glory. It takes time to build a temple. There was just an article in the paper today about uh, uh, the Catholic Cathedral in Washington. It's finally complete after a hundred years. It takes time to become a temple of God. But God moves in before we're finished. He moves in the moment we allow Him to cleanse us, to wash us in Christian baptism. And when we invite Him into, His, Him into our lives because we've been cleansed, we then become temples. But that doesn't mean we stop building. It takes time, again, to become all that God wants us to be. And we have an obligation to keep building until he says the job is done. That means if we are walking in Christ, we are continually being fashioned into temples of God. And the more we build, the more it becomes obvious what we are. You know, Chatham Christian Church was a church when it met in the basement of the Masonic Lodge. It was a church when it met in the community building. And it was a church when it converted the Dickie John factory into a church building. But the community didn't really consider us a church until we built a building 
that they could recognize as a church. If we are walking in Christ, we should be becoming more recognizable as temples of God every day, even if we are still temples under construction. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are a temple of God. But does anyone know it? Do you look just like every other house in a subdivision? Or do you stand out in the world like a church building with a steeple and a cross on top of it? If we're walking in Christ, we are changing, growing, being built up into a readily recognizable temple of God because our faith in Him is being established. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. The word established is a legal term, meaning to be valid, to be certain, to be proven, as in an established precedent. If something is established, it is proven to be true. And we prove something to be true by testing it, by examining it, by studying it. The same is true of our faith. Our faith comes through instruction, by learning of Christ and being taught His Word. And it is established in the same way. We must commit ourselves to being instructed in and by the Word of God if we are to walk in it. If you don't study His Word, you'll not be established in it. So do you study God's Word? Do you even read it? You know, obviously I'm pleased that you are here listening to me preach. But is that your only exposure to His Word? If it is, as good a preacher as I am, it's not enough. It's not enough. You've got to be studying it on your own or in a group of some kind, and you have to be reading it for yourself. You know, there are lots of study aids available for personal study, and some of them are very good. If you have a solid understanding of Scripture and are doctrinally sound, you shouldn't be afraid to take advantage of what's available online. If you're unsure of your ability to sort out truth from error, you should probably take part in a Bible study that we offer or with a group that you trust. And you should be reading it in your home, by yourself, or as a family. Now, there are many approaches to reading the Bible. And there are many translations available. Some are paraphrases that are easy to understand, and others are literal translations that require a little more thought. The more literal the translation, the better I like it. But there is definitely a place for the devotional reading of paraphrases. Just don't build your doctrinal foundation on a paraphrase. The regularity 
of your reading is up to you. Some take a very disciplined approach to their reading of God's word, reading it at a set time and place every day. And others simply read it when their schedule allows. The important thing is that you read it and that you make reading God's word a priority in your life. The approach you take to reading it is up to you as well. Some like to spend the bulk of their reading time in the Gospels and the New Testament. Others like to focus on the encouragement and inspiration they find in the Psalms and Proverbs. It doesn't matter how you read it, as long as you read it. Find the parts you like. Find the parts that challenge you. Find the parts you don't like and study them. Just read it. Read it. Now, some like to read without setting a goal. Others like to read through the Bible in a set period of time, maybe one year. As I mentioned in my article last week, I've been enjoying reading a chronologically arranged Bible this year. In fact, as I said, I bought a dozen to share with anyone who will commit to reading it with me next year. Now, there are a few left in my office. So if you want one, come pick it up. If they're all gone when you get there, give me your name and I'll buy you one, okay? I really want you to read it. It's important. It's important that we study God's Word, that we read God's Word. It's important that we establish, that we prove our faith through continual instruction in and by the Word of God. That's essential if we're going to walk in Him. The final indicator of whether or not you're walking in Christ might be a little surprising. Are you overflowing with gratitude? You know, gratitude should overflow out of our life in Christ. Like a river overflowing its banks, thanksgiving should pour out of our life. And it will, if we are really walking in Christ. If we are depending on Him for everything we receive in life, we will give thanks when it comes. And then, as we give thanks, we'll discover that it increases our dependence upon Christ. Because we will be acknowledging that everything that we do receive comes from Him. Life will become a circle of dependence and thanksgiving. We will be constantly aware of the grace He gives and the more we are aware of His grace, the closer we will want to walk with Him. You know, I'm convinced that thanksgiving should be the primary element in our prayers. And quite frankly, nothing brings me more to tears in prayer than expressing gratitude for the love that my Heavenly Father continues to show to me and to my family. And the more I thank Him, the more I depend upon Him. If you are truly walking in a relationship with Christ, you won't be able to hold back 
giving thanks. So let it flow. Let it flow. If you want to be found complete in Christ, you must be rooted in Him, built up in Him, established in Him, and overflowing in Him. You must be walking through life with Him and in Him. And if you are willing to trust Him and obey Him, you can honestly walk in Christ.